Welcome to the JBug Podcast. It's Tuesday, July 13th, 2021. It has been a month since I last created a podcast, and I've been thinking over the last 30 days, and I feel like there's a separation of of groups um such that i feel like that it's at this point hard to get people to cross over um it's hard to get people to shift ideologies because people um for example if you look at the uh the vaccine issue right um most people are either very much for it or very much against it. And it's very hard to get people to cross ideologies or to shift or to change ideologies because you've got such polarized groups in this regard. And I've thought a lot about why is this? Why, why do we have these large polarizations on different issues? And... I think there is a paradigm shift that needs to occur in order to end the problem or issue of polarization. And what happens, what needs to happen in order for a paradigm shift is the seeker of truth has to desire the truth more than they desire to be right. And that can be a very difficult thing for anyone. But if you're not willing to desire the truth more than you desire to be right, then you will not be able to change the way you think on something. Even if you have somebody give you a lot of good information on on a topic. And so this is why I usually don't try to change people's minds on such things. Because I could sit here and say, well, here's all the things I've studied. But at the end of the day, I've studied them because I had a drive to, because I wanted to, because I was an honest seeker. At least I think I was. And of course, everyone does. Everyone thinks that they're the honest seeker and those around them are not. But this is a pride issue. And you can tell the person who's wrong, in my opinion, it's Solomon's baby story. Remember with King Solomon, there was two women and they both said that the baby was theirs and they they both said that the other person, you know, ended up accidentally, you know, in the middle of the night rolling over and suffocating their baby, which is horribly sad. But they each were saying that this happened to the other one. So how did King Solomon figure out who was telling the truth? He he said, well, if I oh, cut this baby in half. And the, the mother said, hold on, hold on, hold on. Just, just let her have it because I'd rather her have the baby than for the baby to die. And, and of course Solomon knew because he detected that the true mother would, would say that because she actually loved the baby and was able to give the baby to the right mother. Well, in a similar situation, when you have two different groups or ideologies, uh, saying the opposite thing, and they both have all the reasons why they're right. And of course, they both all think that they're honest and that they're well-researched. 
How do you know who's telling the truth? Well, I think that the one who is willing to nurture others is the one telling the truth. Because the person who's lying is going to get really upset if you don't agree with them. They're going to call you names. They're going to blacklist you. They're going to get angry with you. They're going to blame you for all the world's problems, at least their own. So they play like a victim. Uh, the person who is unkind, the person who tries to make the people who don't agree with them as a group unto themselves that deserve inhumane and unkind treatment. Those are the guys that are lying. By their fruits, ye shall know them. And more often than not, it's the gossipers that are lying. Good people who are honest, who are only trying to tell the truth. They're usually humble enough that they don't try to put other people down. They don't say unkind things about other people. Honest people generally... And, and we all have our bouts where we're not, you know, acting as well as we ought to. But honest people, humble people, seekers of truth generally don't have time to call other people names because they're too busy making sure that they are saying the truth and that they are giving well-researched information. And so when, you know, there's a scripture that says he that, you know, he that kills with the sword dies with the sword. And that's not just like physical violence. That's with the sword of truth, right? That's with the sword of the mouth. That's with the words we use. If you try to cut other people down with your words, you know, we all know the famous example of one politician that called a group of people deplorables. When you try to use your words to... Um, hurt the good name and the good reputation of another person because of their ideology, then that person's probably the one that's not telling the truth. Because it's human nature. If you truly want the truth, if you're a humble seeker of truth, if you're the person saying, I could be wrong, I'm willing to be wrong. In an effort to know what the truth is, that person has sacrificed their their will for what's true. That person doesn't have time to put other people down for their beliefs. That person's only going to want to give information and facts to help educate um, if, if someone wants to know. Well, what do you think about this issue? They will try to educate, right? Um, so that's why anytime you point a finger, you know, you've got the three fingers pointing back at you and it, <clears throat> it's interesting how our human society and our human culture is still so easily swayed, um, by, by defamation, by smear campaigns, by gossip. All these things are evidence of, uh, People who put wanting to be right ahead of the fear that they might be wrong. And those who are not afraid to be wrong, these people have more compassion for those that disagree. 
and they'll have love for those that disagree and they won't be self-righteous. They'll say, well, you know, maybe I'm wrong, but this is what I've researched and this is what I believe so far. And if someone else proclaims to be an expert and that they must be right, that's a sign that they are putting their need to be right ahead of your need to stand on your own beliefs. And if so, if someone's saying, well, <laughs> I, I'm more of an expert than you are, so therefore you should trust me. What they're really saying is you shouldn't trust yourself. I don't have enough information to give you so that you can come to the same conclusion I did. Just don't trust yourself because you're not as smart as me. And that is, is a form of gaslighting. That is a, that is a form of abuse. And so anyone who's trying to get you to obey the experts because they know better, what they're really doing is gaslighting you. And they're saying that, you know, even if I did give you the facts and information, you'd still be too stupid to know for yourself. You better just trust me because I'm an expert and you're not. Or I was sent by a group of experts and you're not. And this is why... You know, these are just forms of of manipulation. These are just forms of abuse. And I, I really feel like that the best way to create heaven on earth is to identify behaviors that are abusive and to um, bring light to the fact that that behavior is abusive. And then you can make the choice whether you want to continue to be around someone who does that or not. <laughs> um you know, if you continue to vote in politicians who want you to be a victim because that gives them power, um, then you have to identify that and say, well, actually, you're you're actually getting power off of me being poor. You're actually getting power off of me being sick. You're actually getting power for who knows what reasons, which which brings us to another topic, which is difficult to talk about because there's not really a lot of evidence except a general feeling that something's not right. And that, that is that there are secret societies, right? People who've pledged their lives to the secret society and, um, have a lot of power and control because they're will of their willingness to network with others without any uh without anything that could come before the the will and needs of a group that's secret which allows the group because of their networking to become very powerful it's actually a form of militia now that i think about it a group of people coming together and forming a secret network that's a militia and pledging to that network more than their moral values that's a militia that's an army that doesn't mean it's a, a an army that executes violence in broad daylight. But they're more of a guerrilla warfare type army. They're not going to execute warfare by um, outright violence. But it will be under the table violence. It will be under the table threats. It will be things no one sees. But they're still very real. <clears throat> and because no one sees it, uh, they're able to operate with the anonymity needed to become very powerful as long as they're able to seduce people to join their, their organization. And the only thing that such an organization really needs to do to ensure 
that their secrets are never told is require the member upon entry to the group, at least upon entry to the group's true secrets, is that if they tell anyone that they have the right, that they will be killed. That they allow the group to kill them because of their betrayal of the group. So types of secret societies like this allow people who are easily seduced by being tempted to for money or power or lust or greed, whatever they they're you know, whatever it is that they want that's probably that that lures them more than their moral principles. Because everyone has moral principles, but how valuable are they? What are you willing to go through to keep them? Um, if you're willing to sacrifice them so that you can have other things that you think are more important, like wealth or greed or even friends, even family. You know, how many people sacrifice their moral principles just to stay married? Right? So family is a big one. Um, but as far as a secret society goes... If they're going to be doing stuff that's wrong, if they're a militia, if they're going to be using threats and under the table violence to protect their anonymity, to protect the, the group's interests, then all that's needed is for the initiate to sign some sort of a contract verbally or, or otherwise that if they break the secrets of the organization, then they willingly give their right up to their lives, that they willingly, uh, verbally give permission, uh, for the group to do away with them. Now, normally you can't just go kill another person without there being severe consequences. But if you agree to allowing someone to kill you, if you break their rules, then that's called a contract. And a lot of these groups, they don't just seal their contracts because it's a legal document that they write out. Because obviously you take that to a judge and they're going to say, are you kidding me? This is totally illegal, right? Uh, but what they do, because they say, well, no one in their right mind would do something like that because that's against the principles of life. That's, that's absolutely insane that you would ever agree to allow someone to kill you if you broke their rules. That's, that's completely insane. But these uh, types of contracts are not sealed by a, a secular judge. They're sealed by spiritual power. And so a demon can say, uh, it's all right that this person is killed outside of God's will because God's in control of when people die. And the demon can say, well, this person agreed to it. And God, you gave them their will. And they use their will to give me the power to kill them if they didn't obey. Okay, this is a demonic principality. So whether it's a member of the group that kills them or the member summons a demon that kills them, once the person, the initiate, gives the legal consent that they can be killed if they break the contract, then it's sealed as a spiritual binding agreement. Now, of course, Jesus Christ can break that agreement, no problem. You just have to believe in him. You just have to declare it, you know. Um, you can get baptized. That can, that can be an outward sign that you follow Jesus Christ now and you break all the old contracts. You can um, follow him by your fruit, by no longer doing those evil things that the 
organization asks you to do. And if they say, well, we have your word that we can take you out now, you can say no, because I'm protected by the blood of Jesus. And the blood of Jesus breaks that contract because he has the power to do that. Because Jesus loves my life more than I do. And I give my will to him now, past, present, and future. So that erases that contract. And it's true. And that's why the demons hate Jesus. But if any dark principality, and there's a lot of witches out there. Okay, so let's just keep it at witchcraft. If any witch thinks they have the right to harm you or to touch you, after you've declared that you believe in Jesus Christ to protect you, yeah, it's, it, it, they don't like that at all because it's the truth. You can't come up, there's no blood that can be shed. And a lot of these witchcraft things, they use blood or whatever in their dark magic, satanic ritual things. Um, there's no blood that they can shed that can give them power over the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is that which is life and they can't play with that. And Jesus has rights. That is why I had this image in my mind yesterday. It's quite powerful. I usually don't get very strong images. I'm not very visual. But I saw God standing up from his throne yesterday in a vision. He was coming down to earth. Because earth is up for a contract renewal. And God was standing up out of his throne to come take what was his. To take the people in the earth that want to do contract with him and not the devil. Do you see why everybody here on this devil is the child of somebody who did a contract with the devil? Adam and Eve. And that was a 7,000 year punishment. That was a 7,000 year consequence. Well, that's coming up for, um, that's coming to an end. Okay. Jesus Christ finished the work. And the fruit of that is is showing there's going to be a harvest. It may not be very many people, but there's going to be a group of people that says, I do not want to renew this contract with the devil. <laughs> and um, the devil's going to say, you can't do that. That's why God has to get up from his throne and say, actually, they can because of the blood of my son, Jesus Christ, that was shed for them. And of course, they'll be on the devil's side, you know, that gnashing of teeth and all that. Because uh, he's going to lose his rights to those who've chosen in their lives to believe in Jesus and do his will. Uh, and obey God. And, and believe me, everyone's going to die, right? Unless you're raptured or something. Most, most likely, everyone's going to die. And so, think about it. Do you want to live your life in fear that you're going to die? Or do you want to live your life the way God has planned for you? Do you want to do something good before you die? Might as well, might as well covenant to do something for God. And then you are absolutely assured you have the highest angelic class protection you could possibly have until it's God's will for you to go home. That sounds pretty cushy if you ask me. That sounds a lot better than living in a world unprotected. So I recommend... Praying to God and saying, look, I'll do your will in my life. And God's will for your life is going to be for your highest good anyway. So it's not going to, you know, it's going to bring you the best that you could ever have. And when you do that, you're assured that nothing's going to kill you 
until it's time, right? So you're absolutely 100%, you can have absolute 100% peace of mind that nothing is going to harm you or threaten you. And the devil can try and say, well, if you don't do this, I'll kill you or all that other thing. But he's not allowed to. He doesn't have that power. He's not the creator. Yeah, And it is kind of like, um, he's, a, he's kind of like a copyright artist, I would say. Um, that if you have a trace of his darkness in you, he'll try to take authority over you. And we all have weaknesses, so that kind of puts us in a difficult position. But because of our faith in Jesus Christ, we can be clothed in the robes of righteousness through through that, through our belief in Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ, and our subsequent belief in him. So, he doesn't have an argument. Yeah, we have darkness in us. Yeah, we make mistakes. Some people, big mistakes. Some people have even signed these contracts that they shouldn't have signed. It doesn't matter. Once you give your life to Jesus Christ, once you tell him, I, I want to do your will in my life, you're guaranteed the highest class protection every day of your life until it's God's will for you to come home. And I've never... Let me rephrase that. Not that I've never. It's just that in the meantime... If things go bad for you, if Satan roughs you up, if, if he makes your life difficult, but you don't die, but he's just messing with you. If God allows that, everything he does to you is going to be strategic to destroy him. Does that make sense? When you shoot and you're in war and you shoot, guess what? You reveal your position. So if God allows the enemy to shoot at you, guess what? It was a strategic allowance because you're in a position to now know from which direction they're shooting. You now know they've given away their strategy. And if you know their strategy, you can beat them. So we are in a spiritual war right now. And the enemy does this too much. He shoots first. <laughs> he shoots first. And it it does reveal his position. He does do that. So the honest seeker of truth will be able to find it. The honest seeker of truth will be able to find it. So what are we left with? If the honest seeker of truth is going to be able to find the truth by looking at true principles. Look at those who love what's true more than even to the point where they're willing to sacrifice the need to be right. Those are humble people. Those are people who try to give information. Those are people who build you up as if your reasoning ability is as high as theirs, not put you down and say that you're below me because I'm an expert. <clears throat> Those who truly want to know the truth will be able to find it. So what are we left with? We're left with a large group of people who don't want the truth. If they had wanted the truth, they would have been able to find it because the truth is out there. If it's not out there, it's inside you. If you truly want it, you can uncover it 
through the power of the, the, the living spirit that resides and gives you your mobility and your reasoning ability. We've got a large amount of people who knowingly believe a lie because it serves them, or so they think in one way or another. That's the situation we're in. And this is why you can't try to convince people you're right. You have to let people choose because people want to believe a lie sometimes. Well, they're usually deluded. They're usually thinking that that God of lies can do something for them that the God of truth cannot. And the reason why they do that is it's a self-preservation based on an illusion that if they, if the truth, if they did embrace the truth, that they would be exposed and then they would be ashamed of themselves. And so to protect themselves from feeling the ex, the feeling of being exposed because of being wrong, they would rather burn in hell. They'd rather follow the father of lies. And this because of the shame that comes with being wrong. I love to recommend a book called Healing the Shame That Binds You by John Bradshaw. Because it talks about toxic shame and it talks about how uncomfortable it is to feel exposed. And when we're, we have a healthy sense of self, we don't overly hate ourselves when we're wrong. See, someone who can admit that they're wrong has a healthy sense of self. They're actually blessed. They actually have a gift. If you're able to see that you're wrong without feeling overly exposed and ashamed, but being able to humbly acknowledge it and repent of it, you're a blessed person because you see things as they really are. But those who are under an illusion that being exposed would be their death because of whatever past experiences or um, whatever whatever it is that causes that situation. Sometimes it's it's you know toxic families, dysfunctional families. This toxic shame of, of being afraid of being overly exposed if you're wrong prevents people from seeing that they're wrong. It prevents people from wanting to or even having the mental capacity to face being wrong. They would rather believe something that's not true and protect themselves from being wrong about something than to have the truth that could set them free. And so this is a human condition. And I don't know how exactly the problem can be fixed except to become aware of it. And for those who would like to become aware of it, they can. But then again, we get into the concept that you can't force people to become aware of something. Um, there's reasons why they would rather not become aware of things. And so again, you, you end up with two groups of people. Those who are willing to love the truth at the expense of having their own faults 
beliefs being exposed. They're okay with that. They don't think that's the end of the world. They think this is part of being human, is learning that you're wrong and moving forward with it. And then there's those that would rather die before they acknowledge they're wrong about something. And and so they have an interest in following uh, what what would be the most powerful incentive to them outside of the bounds of truth. Truth is not... For example, with the secret society, truth is not as important as the the brotherhood or this, you know, the, the I don't want to say sisterhood, but I think there are a group, you know, the witch, witch circles and stuff that are, that are women. <clears throat> um, so, so, you know, the brotherhood or the sisterhood or the, the, the network, you know, gangs, why do people get caught up in gangs when they're younger? Because it's the sense of community, right? The sense of brotherhood or the gang is their family. So people give up safety. They give up what's right. They they give up um, a life where, you know, they're willing to accept a life of suffering for this, for the sense of community. I mean, how many people willingly choose to stay in a horrendous marriage so that they don't have to be alone, right? They'd rather suffer <laughs> and have community because the community or even in a marriage, um, the companionship, even with somebody who's um, unkind is better than the compa- than having to be alone and not and and not see yourself as worthy of being treated right, you know, and not see yourself as being worthy as for waiting for someone who will treat you right. the The ability to have that type of self esteem is a gift that can be sought after and gained. You don't have to have this gift given to you; it's a gift you can seek out for yourself if you want it. But then you have to be willing to say that you're in a vulnerable position right now. And again, this is why so many people will not change. is because they will not admit that they're in a vulnerable position. They cannot do that. They're afraid to be vulnerable. And most anyone who's ever made a mistake in history, that good came of it had to be vulnerable enough to, to try. I mean, when you make mistakes, it's a sign that you're doing something. It may, it's a sign that you're trying something. Making a mistake does not make a person good or bad. It's what somebody does after they make the mistake that makes somebody good or bad. Do they acknowledge it and repent of it, or do they ignore it and deny it? Because everybody's going to make mistakes who's worth their weight in in the will that God gave them. Everyone's going to make mistakes. Everyone. You should be making mistakes if you care about learning and growing. But after you make a mistake, do you learn from it and not do it again? Or are you too afraid to admit you could do wrong because you're so ashamed? You're so afraid that you're going to get blamed by others if, if, or yourself if you're wrong, that you can't admit you're wrong. You're so afraid other people maybe will punish you if you admit that you're wrong or that you'll punish yourself if you admit that you're wrong, that you can't admit that you're wrong. So it's a sign of courage to be able to say, oops, I biffed it. Oops, I was wrong. That is a sign of courage. That is a strength. 
not enough people have that strength and we need to see the value in that. And if we live in a society where all we can do is put people down who make mistakes, that's a shame-based society, right? Because everyone makes mistakes. So we should ought to, we ought to put more energy into fixing our problems rather than blaming people for it. If you make a mess, clean it up. Making a mess isn't all that bad. It's refusing to clean it up. That's where the real problem is. So there's some food for thought for today. Thank you so much for listening to the J-Buck Podcast. Take care.